Hello and welcome to the Aditech Energy Dialogues. My name is Olubumi Olajide and today I'm so excited to have with us the GM production for Nigeria LNG. Thank you so much for joining us today, Mr. Faraday. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah. I am very excited to have this conversation to talk about the potential for natural gas in Africa. But uh, I think before, before we go into more the, the more specific aspects of this uh, conversation, could you just give a background of what LNG is and just exactly what this project entails so people can have the appreciation for it? And then we can go into how this project has been affected by the pandemic over the last few months. All right, thank you very much, uh, Bumi. Um, NLNG is an incorporated uh, joint venture uh, that has four shareholders. Um, the federal government of Nigeria that owns 49% of the shares were supported by the top two players in the industry, Shell, uh, owning about 25.6%. We have Total that has about 15% of the shares. And then we have um, ENI that owns about 10.4% um, of the shares. Among those IOCs and the government, they form the ownership of uh, NLNG. Uh, last year, we celebrated 30 years of being incorporated as a company and 20 years of sustained operation. Uh, we're 22 million metric ton per annum capacity facility, uh, six streams. We also have 5 million ton of LNG of LPG uh, that we also we also deliver as well. Um, we own a number of ships. Um, we buy gas, but we process the gas. The gas we liquefy it and we sell it across the world. Yeah, I think that provides a, a appropriate context. So now I'm curious, how how has the project that has been going on for quite a very long time, a number of years, 30 years, as you mentioned, how has it been affected in the last five months, especially thanks to the COVID-19 pandemic? Thank you very much. Um, so let me just start with um, the current activity for which we are in the news, which is the Train 7 project. Um, this is one that the shareholders signed the agreement, the, the to the FID on the 27th of December 2019. And the EPC contract itself was awarded five months later, May 2020, to a JV consortium. And that's the JV, the consortium of uh, Saipem, Geoda, and Dewu. Um, target delivery date for that transform project will be within five years from construction. Uh, COVID-19 will no doubt impact transform in some ways, uh, as it's, it has potential to limit some of the activities that can be carried out for a period of time. And this is going to be in line with the containment measures that are being implemented by NLNG and also by government at various levels. And this will be so until things normalize. However, it is not expected to significantly affect its overall cost. The EPC contract is progressing well under the approved COVID-19 restricted contract execution strategy. As I speak, the contractor is ahead of the call. As expected, uh, there are various stakeholder engagements that have been initiated. Uh, we've met with communities, we've met with um, the suppliers, we've met with government regulators, and this is to ensure that any possible and unforeseen risk are mitigated. Uh, there are a number of brownfield tie-in scopes uh, that are being finalized for execution. So as you can imagine, 
27 is an expansion of the 21 to 6 that we currently have. And the first of those tie-in scope is going to happen in the next six weeks when we are taking out 26 for a major turnaround. And at that point in time, we'll be doing some tying into uh, 26. Uh, we will continue to align with our government's effort to contain COVID-19 and our priority remains the protection of our people, our host communities, the assets, and the sustainers of public confidence in our business. We remain optimistic that 27 will be a reality and will be of benefit not just to Nigeria, but to all the stakeholders that are involved. And I have to add, out of personal curiosity, was there any worry around the start of, of March or April that uh, the FIDs would get affected and awarding of EPC contracts might get delayed more than it was uh, scheduled initially? Was there any worry among the leadership around that time? We knew that we had a solid uh, value proposition uh, going into uh, taking the FID for train seven. Um, if you talk about worry, we actually expected that we would have taken, would have signed the EPC contract towards the end of last year. But there were a few things that we needed to provide as assurance to all the stakeholders, uh, our lenders, to all our shareholders, and also to the top management, to the board of the company. So we knew it was a matter of time. Uh, at some point when we looked at what COVID was doing, and we also thought about what our shareholders were doing, some of them were canceling some of their own projects as well. There were some thoughts around, mm, is this going to see the light of the day? But that was where we really got blown apart, that in a period where our shareholders are canceling their investments in other projects, they choose to go ahead with ours. Uh, it's, a, it's a vote of confidence in what we have been doing, it's also an affirmation that they see that we, are, we have a very solid case that will bring value, not just to them, but to all the stakeholders and shareholders involved. And so that one was a pleasant surprise. I mean, but to say that we didn't at some point contemplate, will this be or will it not be, will perhaps not be stating the entire truth. There were talks, but we're very confident that we had a proposal that was solid enough to be able to thrive through this period irrespective of COVID. And you mentioned the value proposition. What do you think sets this project apart? Because it's, it's been a very long time coming and Trade 7 has been a grand ambition for a very long time as well. So what sets LNG apart as far as other projects where they had to be a bit more speculative in terms of going all in, especially in this period we're in? Thank you for that question. Uh, the, the value Trade 7 brings to the table for both domestic and international players sets it apart as a project of choice. Um, the project will raise NLNG's production capacity by 35% from the 22 million tons per annum that I currently talked about, that is our current capacity, to 30 million tons per annum. What that will do is that it will increase foreign investment inflow into Nigeria by over $7 billion over the next five years. Currently, our six-string plant is earning huge revenues for the federal government of Nigeria in taxes. We paid about $8 billion as well as also dividends of about $6 billion that have been paid to LNG shareholders, of which the NMPC that represents the government earned about 49% of this. Now, with the addition of trade 7 and the increase in production capacity, LNG will stand a chance to maintain its position as the sixth major supplier of LNG globally. Otherwise, the company will recede to the ninth to the 10th position 
because there are other people that are also increasing their volume. Uh, with 27 in NLNG, we see creation of over 12,000 jobs directly. Indirectly, it's been estimated that about 40,000 jobs will be created, particularly in the construction phase. And this will attract foreign direct investment for Nigeria's upstream sector and other associated projects that are coming on stream. It will definitely stimulate the local economy. And if you think about the drop in oil price and the dwindling foreign reserves, Train 7 will harness Nigeria's vast gas resources, thereby diversifying the economy from oil. Uh, people have said that Nigeria, when you think about Nigeria, they talk about Nigeria being an oil nation. But the reality is changing right now that Nigeria is actually not an oil nation, but it's a gas nation with some oil. Train 7 provides a beam of hope in these dire times caused by the COVID-19 pandemic and global recession. Now, there are some factors that we can attribute to the progress of Train 7, and I'll just talk about four of them. The first one is the excellent leadership of the NLNG's management team and the unwavering support of our shareholders and the Nigerian government has ensured that the progress of Train 7 projects is sustained. If you look at our track record as a company historically over the past 20 years that we have been in operation, it's come with a very strong culture of high and consistent performance. And if you think about our record as well, when it comes to health, safety, and environment, it's been exceptional. But we're also a company that has a deep commitment to our company's core value of integrity, teamwork, respect, excellence, and care for our people who continue to remain our greatest asset. This, for me, are the key things that have just enabled us to be a company that has a project of choice and enabled the, our shareholders and everybody to progress with sanctioning this project at this particular point in time. It was a very, very strong commitment. And personally, um, I just going back to something you mentioned earlier, that Nigeria has been very, very long time been a, a leader in producing of oil. But now, as the country continues to transition into, into natural gas, what role do you see natural gas playing for not just Nigeria as a country, but for Africa as a continent, as we become a major exporter in the next few years? The gas opportunity in Africa is huge. Uh, gas is an important part of the global energy story. Uh, currently, it accounts for about 25% of the energy that is consumed. Africa is home to almost 20% of the world's population, and it accounts for less than 5% of global electricity use. An estimated 60% of the world population, about 1.2 billion people, they have little or no access to electricity. Of this 1.2 billion, countries in the sub-Saharan Africa contribute about 50%, about 600 people, 600 million people that do not have access to electricity. So in sub-Saharan Africa, we have the lowest energy access rate in the world. If you look at Africa, the total proven natural gas resource in Africa is estimated to be about 600 trillion cubic feet. And there are gigantic discoveries that have been made over the past decade in Mozambique, in Tanzania, in Senegal, in Mauritania. All these have revealed a total of 200 TCF of gas reserve, enough to supply two thirds of the world's current demand for 20 years. The US Aid Power Africa report for 2018 says that there is potential to create 400 gigawatts of gas generated power in sub Saharan Africa. And in 2018, 
Sub-Saharan Africa comprising of Nigeria, Angola, Equatorial Guinea, and Cameroon provided about 10% of the global production of liquefied natural gas. That's an equivalent of 28 million tons per annum. Even though there is an increasing push for energy transition from fossil fuel to new energy sources, the industry fully recognizes the case for this switch and the need to be involved in the protection of our planet while still ensuring we support the provision of adequate energy to fuel the growing world population and economies. So while on one hand, a quick switch to renewables and other cleaner energy sources is desirable, current data indicates that the practical reality is that it cannot be achieved on a global scale as quickly as many parties are pushing for. So we therefore have to find a way to bridge the gap between where we are today and where we desire to be. This is the role that gas is expected to play in the medium and long term. Despite being a fossil fuel, gas is cheaper, it is cleaner, increasingly is more available than the traditional oil fuels, and it can support the realistic transition into the new energy world order. Now, there are a few things that gas can drive in Africa. It can drive industrialization. Uh, this, this promotes the ample opportunities for the utilization of gas in the region. And it indicates a bright outlook for gas if African countries will key into the fourth industrial revolution. If you also think about our growing population, the more the population, the greater the demand for gas. And Africa is recognized as one of those places where population will actually skyrocket. In fact, Nigeria is targeted as one of those that by 2050 will be among the top three most populous countries in the world. If you think about gas to power projects, and these are enablers of economic development through the provision of power to drive the economic development of the region. Gas has a role to play. And when you talk about industries, gas-based industries, these are industries that harnesses the flexibility of gas and use it for manufacturing. Examples are the petrochemical industries. So when you think about all this, Nigeria and Nigeria LNG have a big role to play in the global energy market. Nigeria has a huge advantage because it has gas in abundance. Available records show that with 200 TCF proven reserves, Nigeria currently ranked at number nine on the list of nations with proven natural gas reserves. With a potential for us to be number four globally from an additional 600 TCF scope that we know exists in the ground, but we've not yet taken it through the accounting process. So the FID for train seven and the award of the EPC contract is therefore very reassuring as it renews Nigeria's hope that Nigeria LNG will maintain a significant market share in the global gas market and will continue to reap the potential benefits in the market. With the support of our shareholders and government, we hope to expand beyond phase seven in the coming years to entrench ourselves as a global LNG company that is helping to build a better Nigeria. I think those are the things that we see where we see it in NLNG. Mm. Very, very, very true. And now I'm curious, uh, coming back to a more regional level, how do you see the role in NLNG? Because you spoke already briefly about it, but I want you to just expand a little more, just driving the energy transition, as you mentioned, in the African continent. Because as important as it is to develop it for a global hub, there's a very important to build uh, uh, the, the, the markets in Africa as well. So I just want to hear you expand on that, if that's okay. No, that's fine. So in Africa today, um, we're very deficit when it comes to infrastructure. 
whether it's infrastructure to move products, whether it's infrastructure for us to be able to move vehicles, whether it's pipeline, it's a lot of, a lot of deficit. Uh, you talk about countries in Africa, Africa is called the dark continent. It's not called the dark continent because of its color. If you take an overview, a flight over the entire world and you look at the map, the imagery of it, you will find out that in Africa, there is a lot of darkness. And that's one of the things that speaks to the lack of power that we have in Africa. Now, as a result of that, there are many things that we are doing today at the extent of the environment. There is a lot of deforestation that is going on. So one of the ways by which we start using gas to accelerate development is to start powering our industry. As we start using gas to fire and generate electricity, we start reducing the amount of fossil fuel, the amount of emission that we have into the atmosphere. That's one way by which we can help in accelerating that. By us making gas available, which we have done in NLNG. So if I take us back, when we first started pushing LPG, which is the cooking gas, into the Nigerian market, we were only doing about 75,000 tons per year, per annum. Today, as of last year, we, had, we were able to do 275,000 tons that we pushed into the market. This year, our target is 350,000 tons. We are very much on our way to be able to achieve that. So the more we push cooking gas in, the more we reduce the things like deforestation, the more we are converting our natural gas to resources that better the life of our people. But the same thing is not just happening in Nigeria. It's the same thing that has the potential to be able to happen across the entire Africa. So if you look at gas as a resource, it's not just a resource that you can monetize, but it's also a resource that can actually help you in improving the life of the people, reducing the emissions that you have in the atmosphere, but being able to power the development that Africa needs. Hmm. Uh, that paints a very, very strong and solid picture. And it's, it's, it's amazing to see the potential for natural gas, not just for the external market to develop Africa as a continent, but to develop it internally as well. So this is part of the things that excites me about this conversation. So uh, now going off to another angle of this conversation. So as a seller, how are you adapting to the uh, turbulence, let's use that word, uh, gas prices have been in the last five months because it's, it's, it's not been in the place where many people would like. So I just want to hear how the, that affected operations and how it affects your forecast going forward now. So it's been very challenging. Um, it wasn't just the, uh, I think the way we like to describe it in NLNG is that it's, it's about three forces that are coming together, that came together to get us to where we are. First was the tension between America and China that in itself started affecting the price of products. And then you had the, the price war that took place between Russia and Saudi Arabia. And as if that was not enough, COVID-19 came on the scene. <laughs> and for the first time in history that we can recollect, I think that was on April 20 or April 22, we had a negative oil price that people were paying for you to come and pick the product. Prices crashed. Over the past one year, the price of our product had crashed by 60 to 70%. So definitely none of us can beat our chest and say our business plan is not going to be affected. Uh, it got to a point that there was an estimate of about 40 to 50 vessels that were roaming the sea and they were trying to find buyers because there were no buyers. India shut down, Asia shut down, China shut down, Europe shut down, where you have the manufacturing demand shut down. And then when we look at the past winter, 
it was one that was not as deep as it was expected to be. So when you look at demand, demand tanked, but there was an oversupply in the market, what that then meant was that price came down. Now in coming down of the price, there are opportunities as well. So the business forecast was no longer around as of December 2019, this was what we planned to do. 2020 then became a year of survival. What are we going to do as a company to survive? And we have done a lot. I think the first thing that we did as a company was right from February, executive management, the leadership of the company, started operating the company in a crisis mode without declaring crisis. What that did was to enable us to have control over the cost. So if you look at the product that we sell, it's not a differentiated product. The gas that we sell in Nigeria is not different from the gas that is sold in Qatar uh, or the gas that comes from Australia or from the US. So we don't have control over what the market is saying, but where the opportunity exists is looking into our own costs. So we, we then went into looking at all our costs and started analyzing what do we need as essential? What do we need? What can we defer, defer in a safe way that we don't compromise on asset integrity and process safety? What do we need that enables us to preserve our cash generation engine, our ability to be able to make our product and to sell it? And we made prudent calls that has continued to keep us afloat. And also in the midst of that was when our shareholders still went ahead and allowed us to sign the EPC contract for trade selling. I think that in itself is a testament to the prudence that they saw in us as we managed the business and managed it in a very reassuring way. So COVID-19, the impact of the price that have gone down is not one that any one of us can run away from. But if you look at our track record, uh, a company that has been in existence, operating safely, reliably, sustained production for the past 20 years. And in the industry, we have the ups and downs. We know that this is one of those in the industry. We know it will come up. How long we'll be in the down is what we don't know. There are indications that suggest that we will be down for a longer period of time. Like one of our shareholders would say, this is a period where you talk about lower for longer. And in that place, do you have the resilience as a company to stay in the game, to remain profitable, but not to compromise your ability for sustained existence? And that's what we have as a, as a company taking a position on and find a way to manage. That continues to be what has kept us in the game. That's what will safely keep us going, going forward. And that's what will also help us as we bring in the volume of trend seven will make us a lot more competitive. Because if you look at the cost structure that we have, the fixed cost that we have is quite high. But with additional volume, we're able to be much more competitive in the market. And those are the levers that we continue to work at. Of course, in all of this is our people. And they remain our greatest asset. Uh, we have people that are extremely passionate about the business. We have people who are committed to this business. We have people who are willing to make the necessary sacrifice. So if I think about the operators who come in today, we've altered their, their schedule in several ways. We've experimented with about three or four different rotation cycles just as a response to the COVID requirements in order to maintain safety distance, isolate them for the required period of time and keep them safe. And our people continue to give everything that we, we are asking for and even give much more. So they give us the confidence that as rough as it is right now, we have what it takes for us to be able to win beyond the decisions we are making is the heart of the people that is in the business that continues to keep us going. 
Mm. And as a Nigerian, I think I can I can understand how the part of the passion that drives the workforce to continue to keep this this very important institution going. And speaking of what you mentioned earlier, how much do you think this resiliency and financial discipline is going to be important going past the period of the of the COVID nineteen outbreak and past the period of when the prices are low? Do you think this is something that needs to be maintained, or do you think it's just for a matter of uh, running business as of right now in this unique conditions that we have now? Well, I, I think what has happened is to open our eyes to possibilities, but it's possibilities that we never really realized existed. Some of them we knew they existed, but we were not courageous enough to go after it and accentuate it the way the current climate has asked us to do. Now, is this something that we just keep for now and throw away in future? No. The challenge for us is how we maintain this same discipline as we go through even when things start turning around and things start getting back into shape. So I don't think we will lose it. As a company already, we have initiatives that has enabled us to look at a total structure that identify employment opportunities. What this has done is that it has accelerated the rate at which we have gone after it. It's not one that we're going to lose corporate memory of it. It's one that we're actually going to keep in the archives and keep reminding ourselves of the things that has kept us through the rough period and be very clear that as we keep our leg on it, as we stay in a very competitive market, we cannot lose this competitive advantage that we have on our hands. Uh, our unit operating cost, we're dealing with it in a way that allows us to thrive as a company we will not throw that up for anything. Rather, we will continue to pursue opportunities that let us be better as a company and make us to thrive as a company in a very challenging industry. Very well said, sir. And uh, just as a, a final point from my end to kind of close us off, uh, I want to talk about the role of international players because we've spoken a lot about the role of natural gas in the energy transition hypothesis for Africa and for Nigeria in particular. Now to ask what role international players is because uh, Nigeria LNG, as you mentioned, is a joint venture with a lot of international players coming together to work together with the Nigerian government. So I want to ask you, what role do you see international, play, international players having in this transition and in this push and what, what, what areas do you want them to come into or what opportunities do you see as of right now? No, thank you. I think this is a question that is apt. Uh, before I talk about how the international community can contribute, let me first of all just enumerate some of the successes that we have recorded over the years. I I've talked already about the proud 20 years of safe operation that is reliable and sustained production. Uh, we're a company that has an asset base of about $11 billion. Six energy trains, 22 million metric ton per annum capacity, 23 dedicated energy ships. In 2018, we recorded top quarter plant reliability of 98.4%. Uh, as of June this year, we have shipped a 5,000 LNG cargo that has been delivered across the world safely. As a company, we've supported the government in reducing gas flaring from oil operation from an all-time high of 65% to less than 20% currently. That's what we have been able to do over our past year of operation. If you then think about the international community and say, how can they contribute? I think the first thing is that international community can participate in the areas of services and manufacturing. 
and they can do this through partnership with Nigerian local companies and service providers. We have a Nigerian content uh, monitoring development board that continues to ensure that there is a lot of domiciling of local competence as a result of activities like this. So as an example, 55% of all the uh, equipment that is being manufactured, engineering and all of that will be done in Nigeria. 100% construction will be done in Nigeria. So international community can partner with Nigerian local companies and service providers in being able to ply their trade. That's number one. Number two, they can also support the increased utilization of LNG as an alternative clean energy source. And that's the way to go. I don't think we can step away from that. They can support the company's contribution to reducing the environmental impact of gas flaring in Nigeria by just being advocate for LNG. And being an ambassador for LNG, that they can also do by positively highlighting the remarkable achievement of this company. Uh, international community as well can support our financing needs of the company where it is required. Our track record has earned us the right to be a borrower of choice in the international financial market. So those are things that I think the international community can do. Uh, if I think about us as a company, I think we are one of the best kept secret in terms of a successful company, how to run a business in a very challenging environment and to ensure that you do it in a way that is profitable, that everybody that is involved in the value chain continues to benefit from it and continues to see the company go stronger and stronger. And that does not leave out the international community. We do have a number of them that are OEM reps to us. We have a number of them that are partners to us. We have a number of them that are providing services to us and they've been doing that over the past 20 years. There is no reason for them not to continue to do it because we've demonstrated capacity to be able to do things and to do it in a very professional way. So there are quite a lot of opportunities either through train seven or the existing trains one to six for the international community to be part of the progress of NLNG. Mr. Faraday, I've had a wonderful time speaking with you. Thank you so much for sharing about the work of Nigeria LNG and I'll be excited to follow up on all the work you do in the future and I hope I get a chance to speak to you again very soon. Thank you very much, uh, Mr. Bumi. It's been a pleasure uh, engaging with you as well. Look forward to more of this in the future and also wish you success as well as you continue to prepare for Adipec. Thank you very much, sir. My pleasure.